Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us this week for Daniel chapter 2, verses 14 through 28 with Pastor John King. Okay, so for today, we're as you know, we're in the book of Daniel. We'll be in Daniel chapter 2, verses 14 through 28. Daniel chapter 2, verses 14 through 28. Last week, we saw how King Nebuchadnezzar reacted to this remarkably detailed and frightening dream that he's experienced. It was so troubling to him that he couldn't sleep. Sometimes we have sleepless nights too. He sought out the counsel of his wise men, magicians, sorcerers, astrologers, and Chaldeans, because this was a pagan culture and dream interpretation was a professional skill. But instead of business as usual, where you tell the dream interpreter your dream and they provide you with an interpretation, young Nebuchadnezzar had seen enough of that through his years, and he decided that he was going to really test these guys. And he decided that he wanted to know up front both the dream that he had and the interpretation. And uh, he was so firm in his position, even though they tried to push back on it, that he informed them that if they couldn't provide him with his interpretation, then he would cut them into pieces. And he would make their houses like an ash heap. So not only would he be, they be destroyed, but their families would be destroyed. And after trying to reason with this young king, the wise men made an admission, basically saying, our occult practices won't even work in this case. Even our little G gods that we worship, since they don't actually reside, you know, they're not really real king. I don't know if you didn't know that. <laughs> they can't even help you out. They can't even help you out. And so when we left our passage last week, we had a very angry young king. He was furious with a great amount of power. He was one of the most powerful monarchs in all of human history. And so his decree was sent forth. Let the killing of all the so-called wise men begin. Off with their heads. This week... With the king's decree to kill all of the wise men in his kingdom, well, there were no exceptions. It included Daniel and his three companions. So our scene today shifts over to how Daniel reacted. How, da how, did, how did Daniel, here is a, a child of God, how does Daniel react when his life was put on the line and the life of his companions? And what we will see today is how Daniel provides us with an example of wisdom and, and tact, if you will, combined together with the full confidence in God's power to do the impossible by providing both the content and the meaning of the king's dream. Daniel will declare that this supernatural dream interpretation is only possible by the mercy of God and his sovereign control and he will declare that God is sovereign over times, over seasons, and worldly rulers in every age and in every phase of history, and that includes ours. And therefore, our God, once again, he deserves our highest praise. Let's look at the passage for today. Daniel 2, verses 14 through 28. It says, Then the council 
And wisdom, Daniel answered, excuse me, then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is this decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon." Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said this. And this is how Daniel praises God. He said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. Oh, thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon, He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. Then the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? And Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And we'll stop there. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you are our Father in heaven, that we can call out to you, we can come boldly to your throne of grace by the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for that honor and privilege. And today, I would ask, we would seek to know your will when it it comes to seeking your wisdom and being led by you, by our obedience and our decision to live lives set apart for you. And our decision to seek you earnestly in prayer and to have full confidence that you hear our prayers. Lord, let that be our heart as it was for Daniel. Go before us as we dive into your word once again, Lord. We thank you for all that you do. We praise you. You are our God in heaven. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So here we have... Daniel's uh, quite bold request. It says here that, um, notice that Daniel, when he came and gave his request, how important it was in his demeanor and what he brought to the table when he came to give his request. 
And he answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard. And it says he had wisdom and counsel, counsel and wisdom. Uh, a new, new, interla- new International Version says he had wisdom and tact. He approached this man very tactfully and very wise. He didn't just come you know, rolling on in with his demands. He was a wise man. And young Daniel was displaying his God-given sense of judgment and discretion. Why do we pray for wisdom for situations like this for sure? Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, now he had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. The name Arioch means lion-like. And how appropriate for the king's head executioner, if you will. What a fitting name. He was a part of the king's guard, which would be like the secret service, if you will. He could get really close to the king. And Daniel, in verse 15, it says, He answered and said to the king's captain, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? You know, what's the rush that he's got to go out and murder all these people? Why is it his judgment so harsh and hasty? And then he's, he's also saying, in a sense, you know, why am I being arrested? Because he's getting ready to be led out to his execution. What is it that I'm missing? Now, obviously, Daniel had been you know, out of the office, so to speak. He didn't get the memo that uh, all the wise men in the country were going to be killed. And so then Arioch, for some strange reason, he didn't have to do this. He made the decision known to Daniel. Actually, it wasn't a very strange reason. Arioch explained the situation, explained what, what happened in the king's quarters, how none of the spiritual advisors, uh, the, the magicians, the sorcerers, the astrologers, and the Chaldeans, none of them could inform the king of the dream and its interpretation. And, of course, we know that Nebuchadnezzar was angry and very furious. And so he just said, just destroy them all. Just destroy them all. I have a slide to show you. Doug has a slide for you. Yes, there she is. You guys recognize the Red Queen, right? Now, unlike this Queen of Hearts in Lewis Carroll's classic, Alice in Wonderland, you remember her. She settled all her difficulties, great and small, with the command, off with his head, But we know in the story, if you studied the story, that rarely does the execution actually take place. Either because the king of hearts, her husband, quietly pardons the offenders, or even her own soldiers don't take her seriously. But the king Nebuchadnezzar that we're talking about, when he says off with your head, he has absolute authority and the ability to order a mass execution. Why did... Arioch explained to Daniel the details when he simply could have just off with his head. Because he had respect for Daniel. Because of his character and his demeanor. And because how he approached him. We see that because he took the time to explain the situation when he didn't have to. You and I, we can all benefit as Daniel did from Proverbs 15.1. And that is, a soft answer turns away wrath. But a hearth Harsh word stirs up anger. And we live in a very angry society right now, don't we, folks? 
And it's a temptation for us, you know, and we have some things to be, I would say, very close to righteous anger. I would say very close. But we know because of our sin nature that very often we don't have the ability to have true righteous anger. And so we get in our flesh a lot because there's a lot to be upset about in today's world. No question about it. Verse 16, it says, So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time. He requested, he asked. And you, you might wonder, how is it that this powerful king, who had given an order to have all the wise men executed, would actually permit Daniel to come in and ask him for more time? But we recall from uh, last week or the week before that the king had interviewed these young Hebrew men. And he was so impressed. Remember what he said in Daniel 1.20. In all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all of his realm. And so the next question is, why didn't he go to him first? We're going to see that over and over again. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar is still a very prideful man. And we're going to see that over and over again uh, and kind of second guess the great king Nebuchadnezzar. We also know from last week that the king had lost all trust with his pagan advisors. He said to them, For you, speaking to his advisors, have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. You're just going to lie to me. You're going to tell me what I want to hear so you can buy time and so that I don't have to you know, be have the demand that I've put forth to you. You're just going to try and you know, wiggle your way out of this and wait me out. But really, this is more about Daniel. We're here today to see Daniel's character. And there's two things we see right away about Daniel. One is influence with men and power or influence with God. When we look at this young man, we've already seen that because he lives for God and he has been chosen to be set apart for holy service for God, something we should all desire to do, something we should all be willing to offer before the Lord our entire lives to be set apart for him. Daniel 1.8, we know it because Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. And we went through that whole story. He decided that he would draw a line for the things that he would and would not do. And he would honor God in this situation, and God honored him. God gave him the ability to have a, a whole new, uh, you know, he proved him wrong. He proved that they thought he wouldn't be healthy. They gave him a whole new uh, diet, and he was able to keep that. And yet honor God and still impress the king at the same time. We see that God has given Daniel counsel and wisdom in order to have influence and favor with the most powerful men in the world. Think about Billy Graham and all the presidents that he sat with through his ministry. And he didn't sacrifice his holy, you know, his set apart, his desire for God. He was respected by all, even, even presidents who didn't believe in God. Billy Graham sat with presidents. And he's just one example. And I can't help but think that he would have thought a lot about Daniel. We also, as we move to our next verses, we're going to see that Daniel will also have power with God. Not power over God. Power with God, influence with God. Why? Because of his dedication to pray. So Daniel is set apart. He has influence with men. And he, has, he will dedicate to pray. And notice what he does in verse 17. 
after he went in and he received time, extra time from the king, Daniel went to his house and he made the decision known. One scholar points out that Daniel didn't run over to the king's wise men, those that hadn't been killed yet, and try to compare notes and try to get the backstory. Maybe even try to use some of their methods or their secret writings. No, he went to the house, his own house, to seek the Lord in prayer. To seek the Lord in prayer. And notice what he did too. He didn't just go by himself, but he engaged his companions. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those were his companions. These three guys had already walked through some trials together, and they had some more to come. And they stood firm in their convictions with the chief of the eunuchs and the chief steward over the dietary issues. Remember, they stood firm with Daniel on that. Now, notice, if you will, we see the word his companions. Often, in our society, in our churches, and among our churches, we're so divided. We're so divided. That's the enemy at work to divide us. But we see right now the importance of pulling together for mutual strength and encouragement and prayer. You know, one of the things you've noticed what we've done here lately is we've set aside a half hour of prayer before the, the service. And Pastor John most of the time leads it and does a great job just facilitating that time that we can set aside so that we can say to one another, to those that are watching, but mainly to God, that we want to set some time apart to be before you, Lord, in prayer, corporately, together. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So my encouragement or exhortation to you at this point would be, will you get some prayer? Will you come get some prayer? Will you come be a part of prayer? You know, we only have one service, and we try not, I try not to go too long with my sermons. Make time for prayer. Seek one another out and ask for prayer. That's what God has equipped us to do, every one of us. Why are you still sitting on the sidelines? Remember that earnest and united prayer released Peter from prison in Acts. Strauss said it this way, the battle was won when Daniel prayed with his friends. The battle was won. Praying friends are a blessing. And in prayer meetings such as this, history has been made. That song we sang today, when I fight, you know, the battle belongs to you. When I fight, I find on my knees. I fight in prayer. And they didn't just gather just to pray for you know, any reason. They had a purpose that was set right before them. Verse 18, the reason was, uh, the purpose they had was that they might seek mercies from God, the God of heaven, concerning this secret. So they had a reason to come to prayer. And most of the time, you know, we know we have a reason. And if you can't think of a reason to pray to God, um, ask him, and he will show you. <laughs> Usually it'll be in the form of a private prayer and sin and repentance in your heart. Now we see him using this term, God of heaven, uh, in Aramaic, which this portion of the book is written. It's Ella Shamian. Ella Shamian. That sounds sort of familiar. The God of Israel. Because the nation had been divided, the temple had now been destroyed, the people were now in exile, and God was no longer present in his temple. 
Remember, that, had, that was a day had gone by. He was referred to by the Jews as the God of heaven. The God of heaven. Even to this day, Jesus gives us the example of how to pray. Luke eleven two, Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so they came, they came to seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret. Now this secret was something that was hidden. None of the astrologers, none of the wise men of the, the thing, they couldn't tell. The, I mean, could you tell my dream that I had last night? No, you couldn't. It's secret, it's hidden. I didn't have a dream. Yes, I did. Sorry, I almost forgot it. Yes, I, oh, never mind. So that Daniel and his companions might not perish. In other words, very simple. Lord, they're going to kill us. <laughs> and we want to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. That was the immediate desire of their prayer, was that they wouldn't die. In fact, God has placed the desire to live in the hearts of every person. There isn't a person alive who does not have a desire to live. Now, there, there are terrible things that happen with depression and suicide. But there isn't a person alive right now who doesn't have a deep desire in your, in your heart to live. But notice the basis of their request. The basis of their request, and this is really important for you and I when we approach the Lord in prayer, is God's mercy. Now we're not even going to hear the exact words they used in this prayer. It's not recorded for us. But when you and I pray, he hears and answers our prayers because of our goodness? No, because of his mercy. Not with eloquence of words, not even really in the posture of our bodies, although it's very, I think, a good thing to get on our knees and pray before the Lord. And certainly not because he owes us whatever trouble or occasion Matthew Henry writes, whatever trouble or occasion brings us to prayer, whatever good things we seek from God, we don't only go to God and pray for the things we want, we go to God to give Him praises and seek good things, our dependence must be upon His mercy. That starts to soften your approach before God, doesn't it? And... We didn't hear their prayer, but look what happened in verse 19. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. The Lord gave Daniel, his companions were there. Daniel uh, received the answer that he was seeking. And we're going to see that play out through this, this part of the, uh, the book of Daniel. And so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. The secret was revealed. That word revealed means something that's been uncovered. And it was, had to be uncovered in order to deliver them from death through his mercy. He had to reveal the secret to Nebuchadnezzar's dream or they would have died. And of course he did. Now David Guzik brings another point about revelation from God, receiving revelation from God. He says this about this passage. He says, this was not religion, but revelation. Daniel did not find it out. God revealed it to him. 
Christianity begins with the principle of revelation. What we know about God is what he has revealed to us. We do actively seek him, seek him, but we seek what he has revealed. Our job isn't to figure out things about God. It's not our job to figure out. But our job is to understand what he has revealed to us. And you and I will spend the rest of our lives seeking with, based on his mercy, trying to understand what he has revealed to us. That's why, we have, that's why we're always in the Bible. That's why we're always coming back to church. So, you know, I kind of let you off the hook a little bit. It's like, I don't have to try and figure out God. I just need to try and understand him, what he's revealed so far to me in my life, mainly through his word. I don't have to try and be, a, you know, the greatest apologist and the smartest scholar in the world. I just need to know. I don't need to figure out things about God, but I need to understand more about what he's already revealed to us. We notice that he had a night vision. Uh, very quickly, if you're taking notes, in, in the Bible, a vision from God is, is often not simply just a dream. Paul had in 2 Corinthians 12, 1, uh, when he had that vision of the third heaven. God had taken him up to the third heaven. He says, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And he, he told him a little bit about it. And he was describing what the Lord had shown him when he was caught up in the third heaven. This was not a sketchy dream that he couldn't remember. And he could have boasted in great detail. He could have wrote many books about it. But remember, he chose to fo focus on Jesus and preach Christ and him crucified. He didn't want to become a celebrity. He didn't want to become a best-selling. He didn't want to get on the speaker circuit. <laughs> Visions are often recorded as coming to a person in the daytime while awake or at night under conditions of dreaming. It can happen any way the Lord wants to do it. Acts 10.3, it says about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw a vision or in a vision, an angel of God coming in saying to him, Cornelius, the story of Cornelius. God's revelation through uh, a vision, uh, vision sometimes is used for immediate action. Sometimes it's an immediate action or direction. In this case, uh, it's very appropriate what God is doing. They were able to get a little bit of time, but time was quickly running out. Daniel's vision is, of course, a prophetic vision from God, and it will have an immediate and direct effect on Daniel and his companions. Sometimes visions of God are associated with revival. We see the famous passage in Joel 2.28, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions." This was also quoted by Peter in Acts. So what was appropriate in, a, in the context of that is appropriate in the book of Acts is also appropriate in our day as well. But an absent of, absence of vision from God is associated with spiritual decline. In other words, the wicked rulers and the prophets, why it's so important that we pray for our leadership in our country. Micah 3.6, he said to the wicked rulers and prophets, therefore you shall, have, or excuse me, you shall have a night without vision 
and you shall have darkness without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be dark for them. But Daniel received the vision. He received the understanding. He was given to him. And what did Daniel do? Look back at our passage. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Now this word blessed is, is in an active sense. In fact, when you look it up, it could well mean to kneel in praise before God. You know the time when you just uh, you have a need to get before God, sometimes it's, boom, you fall on your knees. We don't do it often enough because we're so self-sufficient. And we don't want to fake it. We do it when we're having a true communion with God. The God of heaven. Some thoughts so far today. What do you and I do when we are, the government presents an unreasonable request? Obviously, this monarch had presented a very unreasonable request. What do we do? Well, we need to understand through God's word that God does allow nations to have wicked rulers. You know that he allows that to happen. Proverbs 14.34 Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Not just then, but right now, right in our country. As a Christian, you know that the Bible says that you will be persecuted for his sake. 2 Timothy 3.12 Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But he's also commanded us to pray. Luke 18, 1. And then he spoke a parable to them, Jesus, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Not lose heart. And the question comes up. Do you and I recognize that because of Jesus, we can approach God's throne boldly. Not with pride, but with boldness. To know that God is not going to strike us dead. Hebrews 4.16, that is therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And when you see that, unfavorable or favorable court decision, protecting the unborn, or holding uh, uh, in, 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 uh, in sort of on temporary hold an unjust policy such as mass vaccination. When you see the courts do that, is it because you have prayed? Somebody has. You can believe somebody had been praying. So what do we do when the government presents an unreasonable request? What did Daniel do? He prayed. And then Daniel, in verses 20 through 23, he now turns his prayers into praises. He gives thanks for God's mercy. Daniel's prayer and the prayer of his companions, asking for the secret to be revealed, was not recorded for us. But notice what has been recorded. His thanksgiving. His thanksgiving. First of all, in verse 20, to God, praise to God for what he is in himself. Praise to God for what he is in himself. 
Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Are his. Notice Dan- Daniel answered and said, he spoke aloud. If you don't pray out loud very often, you don't like to pray out loud. I find that I sometimes have to pray out loud even by myself to get my train of thought right. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, he prayed, praised. Blessed, with a passive sense, the name of God is blessed, is blessed for all time and eternity. Just the name of God himself. And he imparts wisdom, he imparts skill, he's wise and skillful, he imparts power. All of it are his, it's absolute. God is all wisdom and he is all power. You've heard of omniscient, total knowledge, omnipresent, all present, able to be everywhere at the same time. You've heard of omnipotent, all powerful, unlimited power and authority. That's who God is. That's what he is. And and Daniel praises him for that. So he praises God for what he is in himself. He gives glory to God, in verse 21, for what he is to the world. God didn't just set things in motion and just kind of stand back with his arms crossed and say, we'll see how that works out. No, no, no. It says he changes the times and the seasons. In other words, the duration of things. Whatever you're going through, Whatever a country's going through, a nation, he changes it. He sets the duration. He sets the times. He sets the times and we face them, wrote Matthew Henry. No change comes to pass by chance, but according to the will and counsel of God. He removes kings and raises them up. Always remember that. Always remember that. Notice it doesn't depend on the type of government that you have. Obviously. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's above all kings, all lords forever. He gives wisdom to the wise. Think of those great scientists, Newton, Einstein, Hubble. They were not the source of their knowledge. God was. And even if they're not wise enough to acknowledge who he is, we know that he was the source and that he gives wisdom to the wise. And he also gives knowledge to those who have understanding. Matthew Henry again wrote this, this is a good reason why we should not be proud of our knowledge and why we should serve and honor God with that knowledge and make it our business to know him. Never forget the Apollo missions, you know, where they read the account from Genesis as they came back from the dark side of the moon. And the fact that the first time they landed on that moon, what did they do? Buzz Aldrin took communion. Never forget that. So he is glory for what he is to the world. He is praised for what he is in himself. He's also glory for every single discovery especially here, this one given to Daniel. Daniel says he reveals deep and secret things, hidden mysteries that no one else could know unless he allowed it to be discoverable. He knows what is in the darkness. Psalm 139, verse 11 and 12. 
If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. And light dwells within him. Illumination. Light dwells in him and he dwells in the light. In the new heavens and the new earth, guess what? There won't be a sun and a moon and stars. won't have a need for that. That He will provide all the light that's necessary for all of eternity. 1 Timothy 6.16 He who alone has immortality dwelling in an inapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see to whom be honor and everlasting power. And so he says verse 23 in response to what God has given him in his wonderful prayer he says I thank you and praise you O God of my fathers. You see there is a place for heritage. There is a place for a Christian heritage as long as he's also the God of you, of your life. If your parents came to church and they raised you as a Christian, you can praise God. You can thank God for that if you indeed are a Christian as well. He remembered the covenant that God had made with him and his forefathers. And he says, you have given me wisdom and might. God is the source and he shares these things. He shares these things with us. And now have made known what we asked of you. In other words, he answered prayer. We say it oftentimes, God answers prayer. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Now, as, as I read and study uh, these passages, what I'm seeing, and, and I think what you would be seeing too in, in Daniel is you're noticing a character of a man that God uses. Daniel's a vision from God that would reveal the details of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, that would ultimately reveal God's plan for the nations of the world and the coming kingdom. You know, what you're, what you're about to see as we go through this chapter is, uh, in this book is you're getting ready to see the plan that God had for the nations of the world and what's coming. And they came to a man who was positioned in his heart and on his knees in prayer and praise of the one true God, the God of heaven, the God of his fathers. And this causes me to ask the question, what's the position of my heart? As I approach the Lord in prayer, seeking to know his will and his direction, do I remember that I get to come based on his mercy? Or do I just want to hear details Am I just sort of a prophecy junkie, right? Knowledge puffs up, but doesn't really refine me in my work, walk with God. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. Finally, we look at Daniel's leadership. It says, therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. Notice that Daniel took the time to honor God. He didn't get the answer and go run to the king's palace. No, he took the time to praise God. But it was urgent. He did need to get over there. And so he spent time honoring God for all he had done. Now Daniel seeks to offer assistance and stop the madness. He said, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king and I will tell the king the interpretation. Verse 25, Arioch introduces Daniel once again to the king. And he says, oh, I have found a man. 
I found a guy, right? Hey, King, <laughs> look who I found. Arioch is, is somewhat of a politician, right? He's trying to pretend that he found someone to interpret the dream. That's not the case. We know that he was going to cut Daniel's head off a little while ago. Uh, it's a sad, it's a sad um, uh, condition of our sinful human nature. When we seek to um, make ourselves look good, when it seems advantageous, Nonetheless, in verse 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. This was the Chaldean name that was given to him. It means, Beltus protect the king, roughly translated. He said to Daniel, probably in that, to, probably, probably said the word Belteshar, and he says, are you sure about this? Are you sure you're going to be able to give me the interpretation? Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen in its interpretation? Now, even though the king was very frustrated about the situation at hand, he appears to acknowledge the impossible demand that he put forth. I mean, even the, he would know, just like the, his advisors had told him, he said, nobody's ever asked us to do such a thing. And he knew that he was putting forth a very impossible demand. And he cared for Daniel. Remember, he, he saw, but he, you know, he'd already given his decree and he couldn't take that back. So he cared for Daniel and he's like, are you sure? You know, I don't want to see you, I don't want to have to get angry and furious with you, in other words. And Daniel answered, uh, and Daniel repeated to him what he knew. He said, the secret of the king has demanded the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God. That's right. So what does he do? He witnesses to him. He witnesses to him. When you and I have conversations with unbelievers, the conversation, if you're witnessing, goes from the sort of natural, you know, you may be talking about the weather or the baseball scores, but it needs to get over into the spiritual. Do you believe in heaven? Do you believe that there's a God? And here Daniel was witnessing to this mighty king, Nebuchadnezzar. He said, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Simply stated, there is a God in heaven who is all-knowing, who is sovereign over all of his creation, who will reveal to the king what the future or latter days hold. Uh, again, uh, Matthew Henry was a, if you know him, he was a Puritan commentator. It turns out he's a commentator, a Puritan scholar in the 1700s. And so with this Puritan English, he says the following. He says, the insufficiency of creatures should drive us to the all-sufficiency of the Creator. There is a God in heaven, and it is well for us that there is, who can do that for us and make known that to us, which none on earth can, particularly the secret history of the work of redemption and the secret designs of God's love to us therein. The mystery which was hidden from ages and generations, divine revelation helps us out where human reason leaves us at quite a loss and makes known that not only to kings, but to the poor of this world, which none of the philosophers or politicians of the heathens 
where their oracles and arts of divination could help them, could ever even pretend to give us any light whatsoever. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your word. And Lord, we thank you for the wisdom that you provided. We pray, Lord God, that we would seek from you that wisdom, that we would be able to communicate your will to others, that we would be able to share the good news of the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave us you, Jesus, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should have eternal life and never perish. Lord, give us that opportunity to speak life into the lost and the dying world around us. And Lord, when we approach you in prayer, may we always do it on the basis of your mercy and your love and grace. We thank you for all that you're doing and we ask that you go before us now this week. Lord, we ask for your blessings to be upon these households that are represented here at Calvary Chapel and all those that couldn't come today, those that are on travel, those that are out sick, those that you're sending us. Lord, we just ask that your protection would be upon these families. We love you, Lord. We praise you and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. I invite you guys to stand. Uh, We're going to read a passage from Romans together out loud and then we're going to close with a song. Romans 16 verses 25 and 27 Romans 16 verses 25 through 27 it says read with me now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us next week as we continue through the Bible book by book, verse by verse, line by line. God bless.